Hello, International Women Connected. Anna here, and I'm with the next episode of IWC. So, so excited to be logging in because today I've got an incredible guest. She's not just someone who I've worked with her for a while. We helped her accredit her business in courses as well, but she's someone who is very, very close to my heart. Um, the idea around her business is incredible. Um, and the focus of her business is actually the children's development and how if we focus on that healthy development from the very early age can actually have an amazing and positive impact um, later on for us in life. So without any further ado, I would love to introduce you to Teresa Robinson, who is the founder and the CEO of No Pencil Required. Hi, Teresa. How are you? Hi, Anna. Thank you very much for inviting me today. And what a lovely introduction. I'm really quite touched by that. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Oh, I'm really, really excited for you to be here as well. And I really meant every word I said because we absolutely love working with you. And the things you do are absolutely incredible. Um, I can't wait for us to dive in more in details, actually, around who you are, what is your background, how did the No Pencil Required come about, and what actually does No Pencil Required, why the kits are the focus of your of your business. And um, so before we go into those very exciting details, because I know you will share a lot of nuggets around it as well, <laughs> I would love to give you the mic to introduce yourself and share with us your background. Okay. Well, I'm Teresa and I am a mum of three daughters. I'm a granny to two grandsons. I'm actually a farmer's wife and I live on a farm in rural Devon in the UK, but I've been a nursery teacher for over 25 years. And I just have a huge passion for helping young children thrive and just reach their potential. I just get so much joy from being with the children. So I've worked in early years education for about 25 years and I've worked in a whole wealth of settings um, with lots of different children, lots of different families, some social dynamics, cultural backgrounds. And it's just developed over, over that past 25 years. And to be honest, over that time, what's really drawn me every single time is those children who really find it trickier than others. I think they're the ones that sort of pull on my heartstrings and make me want to come in and make sure that their needs are met and that they are uh, able to reach their potential as much as possible too. It's um, It's been quite a journey over those 25 years, starting out as a parent helper. And then within uh, within a short space of time, I had qualified and I was managing the setting. I've, like I say, I've worked in inner city settings, rural settings in order to be able to uh, be where I am today. Amazing. And um, I think one of one of the things I actually regret is that we don't even have a um, we only have the audio um, recording. We don't have a visual yet because people wouldn't believe that you've got grandchildren as well. They will be <laughs> gobsmacked the same way I was. Um, and you're doing incredible, incredible job with your kids and with your grandkids as well. And that must be quite tiring at times. So you enjoy it. 
It is. I think I'm really quite fortunate at the moment because my girls are older now. My youngest is 15 and she's the typical teenager, um, wants her mum when she needs a taxi or she needs some money, but pretty much she's on doing her own thing. And my elder girls are adults now. My eldest daughter is the one that's got my grandsons. So that we've got everybody home at the moment. So work has been put on the back burner for a little bit. I'm not as involved as I have as I normally am. Uh, and it is really, really busy, but it is absolute you know it's just joy at home at the moment because I've got these little people who just squeal and play and yeah so it's it's great fun but yeah one I couldn't I would struggle if they were here all the time or if my children were younger but I'm fortunate now in the sense that they are older and uh so I'm able to I think that's why it's going so well is because I'm able to dedicate the time to it I don't have to compromise on them being so small as if they if they were younger children because yeah. they're more independent now yeah. as well. Yeah, um, definitely. So and we they're talk really about kids too. Yeah, yeah. You can hear the passion in your voice when you uh, when you talk about kids. So you've started as a parent helper, and then yeah. your background twenty five years as a teacher, which is really really impressive. Um. So how did no pencil required come about? Um. Was it a natural development of what you were doing previously? Um, was it something that you had in mind for a quite a while that you wanted to do? No, no pencil required didn't even exist until two years ago. I didn't even know it was a thing um, in the sense it didn't have a name. But when I look back now, I realise that actually it's become a part of my teaching persona that I've developed over my 25 years experience. But what really happened was about five years ago, uh, we had a new PE lead at the school and who was taking the reception children down for their PE class. And I was asked to go down with them at this time because I was the nursery teacher. And some of these children... Oh, these children in reception um, were the ones that I'd sent up from my class ready for that next stage of their learning. And I really valued myself as, um, as a really high, skillful teacher. And I thought I really knew what I was doing. But I watched this PE class and I watched some of these children um, really struggle. And what it did is it highlighted to me what I didn't know. I really didn't appreciate the physical development in um in all its in all its glory, if you like, I, I knew it, and I thought I'd really prepared these children, but this PE lesson really made it obvious to me that I didn't know it very well, and I was really upset. I was really upset that I thought I was sending children on to succeed, but actually I felt like I'd failed them, and that just turned something in me, and I couldn't let it go. So it started on me on a path of reading and researching and trying all these different things so that I could become more knowledgeable and support these children better. And it got really fussy for a while because there's so much information out there. And I was trying all of the things, but not actually achieving anything until one day it just sort of clicked on me that everything I needed was right there with these children themselves. I didn't need whizzy resources. I didn't need anything extra. I just needed to watch and see what these children were showing me and tune in. So that's what I started to do. And then I started to develop this pedagogy that really came from the child. And then when I was watching them, I could identify where they needed me and bring in the appropriate um, activities that would support that. And so it became incredibly inclusive. The children were really involved in what they were doing. I told them what they were doing and why, what was happening to their bodies, what they could take charge of. And I really developed their autonomy, their sense of self. And that became my pedagogy. And then two years ago, 
I ended up on a program, uh, another inspirational uh, female entrepreneur, and she was promoting a recurring revenue program. And I I don't even know how I ended up in it, to be honest, because it's so far removed from my everyday. But I ended up on this course, uh, this free training, and she was talking about promoting what you know. And I thought, well, what do I know? And then it highlighted to me, what I know is how to get children ready for future learning success. All the skills that they really need, the physical, sensory and emotional that actually doesn't require a pencil. All the really important stuff that happens for brilliant learners, if you don't need a pencil to do it. Got nothing against pencils, I absolutely love them. Absolutely love them, promote them all the time. But all the really important stuff happens before children hold a pencil. And that's where it came about. That's where um, No Pencil Required came. And in the last two years, well, the growth and where it's gone has just been phenomenal. It's just taken me on a journey I didn't even know was gonna happen. And that's where I am now. Amazing. So we say that no pencil required um, is the, the focus of no pencil required is obviously the kids, like you said, before even being able to hold the pencil. Yeah. How old a child has to be to be ready for a personal development growth? If I can say it this way. Um, if I, I really listened to this, actually, because this is really makes me think, because when learning is not linear and children develop at such varying rates uh no room of three-year-olds no child is going they're not they're not going to be exactly the same because you need to see what they're bringing with them and that they will be influenced by their families by their culture by their life experience so far so all those things are going to come into play but really their, their development starts from the minute that they're conceived but when they're born they are developing and progressing and moving forward But um, autonomy, that development of a sense of self, when they start to recognize that they are not an extension of their primary caregiver, usually their mum, but then they are actually uh, their own person, because that's when like the terrible twos, when they start, uh, I I don't really like that phrase, but it's, it's a common phrase that people can relate to. But when children start to recognize that what they want to do differs from what their, their parents or their primary caregiver want them to do, it starts to come in then. And then what happens is when the children sort of get to about three, they start to really become um, their sort of identities and their personalities start to develop. Their sense of self really starts to grow. And it's their development of their emotional and physical self that when correctly developed, when correctly encouraged and developmentally appropriate, that's so important. And usually it's um, stage, not age, because a three-year-old, like I said, three-year-olds are not necessarily the same. But you help them understand their world and where they fit in it. You know, you build up their belief in their own capabilities. And that's not by telling them how wonderful they are all the time, but it's giving them the opportunity to get things wrong, to work thing, work through those problems, to be able to develop those skills and positive resilience, which I think is really important. Their sense of self, that what's right and what's wrong, independence, um, helping them feel good about themselves so that they can be socially adept individuals as they move forward to every situ- every situation that they're in, they're gaining skills from, that's going to take them, they're going to keep those, they just sort of build up and develop on that. And then they begin to recognize themselves as their own person and learn that it's uh, okay to be different from others. So it's really, it's really quite complex, but at the same time, natural. You know, but what we need to be doing as really considerate 
adults in the lives of these children is to be help them to develop these skills that they're going to need help to support them along the way help them through the challenges but not do the challenges unless they really need you but help them work through the challenges help them express feelings in healthy ways and just really express and explore the changes and growth I like to call it the gift of time sometimes we can be in such a rush to get children uh, who are three ready for writing or reading or that next stage in their learning but actually what we found is early is not best there is no research that will validate that pushing children who are too young to become uh, readers and writers actually helps them out. But there is so much research that actually proves that when you give the gift of time for children and you allow them to develop naturally, support them appropriately, offer opportunities that are relevant and appropriate for where they are, that's when children, when they get to about eight, nine or older, they get those really fundamental problem solving skills resilience that they can tackle and they can deal with their learning in a much better way so uh it's, it's an ongoing thing and we we never um stop either you know we never stop learning yeah that's so it, it is really really important for the child to actually give you the signs that is ready for that development yes. right yes which takes me to my next question what age kids are most vulnerable and why? This, um, I think all children have the capacity to be vulnerable, but I think when they're really young, certainly when they're before they're speaking, um, but the early, early stages of connection and relationship is so important with their brain development. So if children are nurtured and love and given security and consistency and guided in appropriate, really caring ways, then their brain develop in more healthy, uh, in more healthy ways. But those children who aren't fortunate enough to um, have those experiences, they alter their brain pathways and that impacts greatly on their capacity to be open and receptive to learning because they are trying to keep themselves safe. So it's really, really difficult um, because children look to their caregivers for that love and reassurance. And if you've got children who aren't exposed to anybody else other than a caregiver, and you've got one child who's getting all this love and fantastic interaction, and you've got one who's being ignored or um, not responded to in the nicest of ways, those experiences are going to impact. If you put those three-year-olds in the learning environment, you've got one who's feeling quite confident and is going to explore that setting and get more from it than the one who's going in and going to take those life experiences with them and be more hesitant or not respond in the most favourable of ways. So all children have the capacity to be vulnerable, which is why it's so important that um, we really do try to connect and develop nurturing loving caring relationships to in for them to be able to be who they're going to be yeah absolutely i thought i think this is so so important because if you do want to have more confident and when i say confident i mean people who have a higher self-esteem because we all know confidence can be faked but real confidence comes from your self-esteem it does um, if we do want to have more more adults with a healthy self-esteem we really have to focus on the children first right absolutely and i think because as well um children can't distinguish between um fact and fantasy they don't know um 
That's why they get really caught up with characters and where they play because they can't tell the difference between what's real and what's not. But also the brain believes what you tell it. So if you've got children who are having negative messages coming through, then they're going to be building their character and their self-esteem and their vision of self-worth on those negative connotations, as opposed to children who are told and uh, the love is reinforced. What I found was in... um, when I was teaching, one of the things that was really important to me was uh, affirmations, really making sure that these children felt that they were really capable. And when I started to introduce this, I was really surprised that um, these three-year-olds felt embarrassed to be able to say something good about themselves, um, which was really interesting for me. And I made me consider, you know, what's going on. And these were children that were really lucky with the family lives and the relationships that they had, but they still found it really um, awkward to say that they are a good friend or they're going to have a good day or they're going to high five themselves and look at themselves in a really positive, uh, positive light. So one of the things that was really important was to reinforce that, uh, that message that they are capable, that they are in charge of them, that they are able to have a good day, that they are a good friend and just give them the tools in order to be able to facilitate that and to live that so that they can actually start to believe that in themselves. But it does come from if you've got children who come from loving backgrounds, it's easier to reinforce that message because that that's a consistency that's going through when they go home. But those who come from negative, why are they going to trust me to believe me when what they've heard from their primary caregivers is the complete opposite? Mm. Um, and that's where children tend to uh, display the less desirable behaviours, the more challenging behaviours. It's um, usually coming from that unmet, unmet need or underdeveloped skills. So, yeah, it's it's really important that the adult knows what they're looking for and, and how to do it properly. And that actually, because you mentioned caregivers, that actually takes me to the next question. What's your opinion on caregivers who have a very, very big experience but have no qualifications? This is really big and it's not really a simple answer because you can have people who just really, they just naturally get the kids right they just tune in and they are just the most incredible caregivers and they give them in abundance all that validation and those connections that are so vitally important um but they might not know that's what they're doing that's the difference between being experienced and having qualifications when you have qualifications you are informed as to what child development is what those connections mean so you might naturally do it because you've got experience and you're really good with what you're doing but actually having a qualification enables you to know what it is that you're doing so that you can do it better or you can learn more so I think whereas um, having experience is really important and I can't negate that at all and I think certainly within the earlier sector uh, recruitment is a certain it's a separate issue altogether but you have a load of um, really experienced fantastic early years practitioners and teachers or workers who are not necessarily qualified, but they might not know why it is that they're so good, or they might not be able to see what the child is doing and what that means and how to move it forward. But if you have qualifications, that almost that gives you that. But you can also have on the flip side, somebody with all the qualifications who's just gone through college and university, but lacks the experience. So they can't connect it to the child because they don't know how to develop those relationships. So it's not quite simple enough to say it's either or, or I think it's definitely, they work well together. 
And if you've got somebody who's highly qualified, you know, you can get somebody who's really qualified and actually really has that, um, that ability and that experience to connect with the children and make a difference. But if you don't have the two you and you are um, w- willing to work together, you can have really effective teams of that complement from unqualified to qualified in order to meet those children's needs because they can work together in order to support and move those children forward. So it's quite a complex thing. So I wouldn't say I am... Um, Legally, in a lot of places, you need qualification in order to be able to hold the role, in order to be able to be the teacher or the lead practitioner that's going to be supporting those children. An unqualified person necessarily won't be able to do that, but they will bring a wealth of a valuable input that will support those those teachers on their role as well. So yeah, they've got a part to play for sure. Mm. So, yeah, like you said, it is not a straight answer. I think one of the most important bits is for someone to genuinely love working with kids and be able to tune in when it comes to you know when it comes yeah. to looking after kids when it comes but it's to- also you know having a love and a connection with the children but tuning yeah. in is knowing what to see because one of the things that I really value um within no pencil required I, I am all about the children but I really believe that the teacher comes first because I think if you know your settings and your planning and your uh your teaching is only as good as the people who deliver it um and so it's really important that they are very aware of themselves and the part that they play in that role of supporting those children in order to be able to connect and identify where those children are coming from um so they really are a valuable a valuable resource if you like and sometimes i think that the job is given but not actually not that it's not appreciated but i don't think the actual i don't think the recognition is given as much as it could be for how important they are and because it doesn't matter how busy your setting is, it doesn't matter how beautiful you have, all the resources you have, it is as good as the people who are in it. And if you've got people who really do, who are passionate, who really do care, but actually really know their stuff, um, it's that's what's important. It's children who, uh, it's adults who can look at the child and it's not necessarily the act- activities they bring in, but it's what they're doing every day. I like to call it the wow behind the ordinary because I do believe that everything that you need is right there with you. There's no need for extra planning or extra resources. Um, everything you need is right in front of you if you just know what you're looking at. So and you've got expert teachers who are supported to be able to identify that, then you really do have successful learning environments. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for that answer. That's actually it made me think a lot when you when you started explaining um you know what what is actually more important it is like you said it is a really really deep question and it doesn't have a straight answer um why did you decide to accredit your business oh do you know i can sum it up in one word (laughs) trust 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 i know i know what i'm doing i know i know what i talk about i know that what no pencil required uh means and i know it's pedagogy works Mm -hmm. but nobody knows me so why would somebody put their faith in me uh, just because I say so? So for me, it was really important that um, that when I that when people are interested in working with me, that they can come with me with confidence that actually that I've, I've got integrity and I really do believe in what I'm doing because I know it makes a difference. So for me, being accredited was about trust being able to put your faith in the fact that actually if you come to me 
then I am going to listen. I am going to be able to help you with your setting, work through what's really important to you, because it might not be what you think it is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, become build up on those relationships from there, because I think, but, but making that first connection is, is having confidence. Actually, this is the trustworthy person I can come and talk to. And then you build your relationship. But that was really important to me. Mm, yeah absolutely and credibility like you said trust and credibility so important because I know what you do and I know what you do it's amazing but tell us what help do you actually provide what are the courses and why those courses who can benefit from them who can approach you how can they approach you Wow. Oh, well, this is quite big, to be honest, because I wear quite a lot of hats, I think. Um, I like to think that I can help the from the, the lead management. So your directors of childcare, your head teachers, those people who are pioneers in early years, who really want to make the most of their early years environments and support um, their, their teams, their teachers and their staff. So I can come in there and identify where I can be a best fit. And then with the teachers, what I can do and the, and the practitioners is I, I call it the no pencil required lens. And it really is about getting detective um, peeling back the layers about what's going on in your settings and identifying where the underdeveloped skills or unmet needs are within your cohorts of children or within your setting as a whole and coming in with the relevant support that actually make a difference there. So I can work with the from the from the top management right down to the teaching staff. I can work with children so I can help children to um, develop autonomy, that sense of self and build up their own um part to play in their learning. I think children who are given a role in their learning, because quite often we do to children rather than include children, certainly in learning environments, but when you include them, they they, they they rise to it. So I can work with children and I can support teachers to see how to do that too. And I can also work alongside with parents who maybe are misaligned with the education system, who are not really understanding where things are coming so I can be a support there. So it really does depend on the because everywhere is different every single setting their cohort of parents and children are going to be different they're going to be different year on year um so i, I don't have a one size fits all i have an approach that complements any teaching style any ethos because what it does is i just help you to look at it through a no pencil required lens and it just I've said before the wow behind the ordinary so you can start to identify because when you start to see it uh, in one place and you and you become aware of it you see it everywhere when you start to see it everywhere you step in and you become a much a much um more aware much more uh, proactive practitioner and then when you start to do that, you become a role model for your colleagues and they start to watch those positive interactions because everybody's watching all the time. The children are watching your interactions and you just, excuse me, create this learning environment that everybody just feeds from these great connections. And that's that's what I do. So I go from the top down, but it does depend on what you are, what you need, and we work from there. Amazing. And I know the courses are just incredible. Oh, yes, so. courses. <laughs> I was so busy yapping, I didn't think about the courses. I do. I offer, I have um, training courses. I've got two signature programs, the Conscious Practitioner, which really is for all uh, teachers, practitioners who are involved or in 
supporting young children. But what this does is it really helps you identify who you are and your teaching persona, why you are the way you are, why you act the way you do, why your life experiences have come. So it's really quite a bit of a, a self-discovery, if you like, but it's really important um, to help you identify what might your triggers be. Because, you know, when we're presented with these children from all these different families and they're presenting with different behaviors, that actually can trigger something within yourself. So it's identifying where that comes from. So the conscious practitioner really helps you become the best version of yourself and your teacher self that you want to be. And then the second uh, signature program is the No Pencil Required Training Program. And that's where I help you develop your No Pencil Required Lens. That's how I help you go through the stages of child development and help you look at it in a different way, help you see and identify what the child might be presenting and what that actually might mean. So it's not surface level. So you can then meet that child's need rather than be addressing what you see on the top and, and having to deal with the same thing over and over again, because you're not actually supporting the child in the most appropriate way. So what that course does is it helps you identify um, what to look for and how to support that on a, on a deeper level, help you peel back those layers so you can become a detective and support those children in the best way possible. Mm. Thank you so much. I, f I feel really inspired by your interview as well. It's, it's oh, just you. gone so much in details and so deep that I know for a fact everyone who listens to it will take will take a lot away um i would love to thank you for your time today um and yeah like i said i think for us for our generation to be able to be more confident but real confidence more certain in themselves trust more themselves more because i think this is one of the biggest problems that we sometimes don't trust ourselves enough and we rely on external factors to make us feel, you know, to make us feel that we can trust ourselves, make us feel more trustworthy. Um, it's really, really important to focus on the on the children development first. I think um, so. And you're doing you're doing an amazing, amazing job. Thank you. Well, it means a lot. Thank you so much. Um, we'll pop your details below so everyone who who listens to the podcast and want to follow Teresa, you'll get her Facebook um, and Instagram and email handle as well. Before I let you go, can you make us one wish on International Women Connected? Oh, wow. Um, I think that it's such an inspiring um, community. Actually, I got goosebumps when I think about it because you and Boriana, what you're achieving is just incredible and I feel privileged to be a part of that so I think my wish is for everyone who's with you to step into it step into your worth own it and just take your inspiration and know that actually you know you can be a part of this and do this too I know I want to be um and uh yeah so I, I'm in awe of everyone I think it's just an incredible place so my wish is that everybody just owns that owns a bit in that and, and is inspired by you. Thank yeah. you so much, Theresa. And it's been an absolute pleasure to have yes. you as part of the platform, to have you as part of the community. Uh, we hugely value members like you. I can I can talk about you so much um, anyway, but thank you so much for being part of this platform as well. Thank, thank you so much for listening. 
follow Teresa Robinson. You can um, download her handles when we share the podcast. And of course, keep on following International Women Connected as well and tune on all the exciting podcasts that are coming up soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna.